Hey everybody, we are back. Another episode of College Football Gridiron. The man, the myth, the legend <laughs> sitting across from me, Jimmy Sullivan. I'm Nick DeLuca. A jam-packed week of college football. It was a good week and a lot of exciting games potentially with fringe playoff implications. Some good football being played. A couple of surprising losses for a couple of teams that we thought maybe not factoring in for the playoff, but certainly top 25 in ranked teams, and not much coming up in the way of action in week three. We were joking about it being like the NC, the first round of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah, it's out of like Auburn, Kent State. I said, that's a 4-13 matchup right there. <laughs> that's not week three of the college football season. And Montana playing Oregon, that's, that's Te- a classic. Texas A&M and Lamar. That's a classic 2-15 right yes, there, I'm telling that's you. Right. If I have ever seen one. It's right there. But, yeah, no, interesting week in college football, like you said. Uh, LSU's got an offense now, which is, I don't want to say stunning, but uh, it it certainly changes things for them. It's the best offense they've had in a long time. Uh, Michigan got a scare against Army. We're going to get into all that. Uh, Stanford with a bad loss to USC. Washington with a bad loss to Cal. A lot happened last week. Want to make sure we cover it all. So it's going to be a good show. Agreed. And let's jump right into... I th- this is the game of the week from a week ago. It had the hype of being the game of the week, and I-, I think it lived up to the billing. It was really, really exciting. A defensive battle in the first half, LSU-Texas, and then 39 points in the fourth quarter where both offenses really got it going. Looked like the defenses on both sides really began to tire, but LSU, as you and I both predicted, I just want to throw that out there, comes away with a 45-38 win on the road against Texas. So what does this mean? Well, I think it means that as you start to look at the bigger picture, LSU is good enough to go to the playoff. I really believe that. Their offense is super talented. I think their defense is good enough. Their defense isn't playing that well right now, and we saw that against Texas, especially in the second half. But their defense has historically been really good. I think it's a unit that's going to be playing better at the end of the season as opposed to how it's playing right now because sometimes teams just kind of go through that the first month or so of the year. Uh, Joe Burrow, unbelievable, 31-39, 471 yards, four scores. He looks like a different quarterback from last year, right? So Joe Burrow last year comes to LSU. He's a transfer, and he's kind of a dick and dunk guy, game manager, which isn't really a term I like to use, but I think it was true of him. And this year he comes out firing in his first two games. And granted, you can say whatever you want about the Texas defense or the Big 12 defenses in general, but you put up almost 500 yards after where LSU was offensively last year. That's impressive. I don't care who you do it against. I do think Texas is a tad overrated, um, but they played well on Saturday night. They played, I would say they played almost well enough to win. And they, they did not play a bad game at all. It's just defensively they didn't get enough stops. Sam Ellinger over 400 yards. Devin Duvernay had 12 catches. Um, so this is a Texas team that's got a lot of talent. They're going to be competitive in the Big 12. Uh, and they, they impressed me on Saturday night, but I was even more impressed by LSU, obviously. One, because they won, and two, because of the offensive prowess now that this team has. You know, hanging 45 on national TV, I don't think I ever thought I would see that from an LSU team, honestly, because that has not been their identity, but they did that, and they were excellent on Saturday night. And this is a team that, yes, get past the complications of how good the SEC is, and Alabama and Georgia in particular, this is a team that can beat anyone in the country. I truly believe that. And Eddie O is going to have his boys ready to play every game. 
And this is an LSU team that is talented enough to do just about whatever it wants. Yeah, that was the, the interesting thing for me because I, it's hard for me to decipher what exactly this win means for LSU because, as you mentioned, I, I kind of feel like Texas in particular on the defensive side, Texas a bit overrated. I don't know that anyone was pumping up their defense, but this isn't a very strong defensive team. So, yes, it was great that Joe Burrow did what he did and what that offense did what they did but it's hard to not be a little bit skeptical to see what's going to happen when they down the line continue to play some of these top SEC defenses Alabama comes to mind right I mean these types of of conference teams you know teams in their conference so I I, I don't know really what to make of it we'll we'll see kind of what happens as as we go forward but I think you're also right to point out that regardless of who the defense was I don't know that this was an LSU offense a year ago and headed by Joe Burrow that was capable of throwing for 500, you know, you know, going for 500 yards against anyone. You know, I, I don't I don't think that that was possible for any of them. So that's an encouraging step. Texas, particularly in the second half, the the defense really fell off the rail. I think the biggest thing for me, though, in watching that game was looking at LSU and the way they controlled the line of scrimmage. That was really impressive to me because they got a lot of pressure and, and made some pretty strong defensive stops. Uh, a, a couple of, of goal line stands early in that game. Texas had had the opportunity to score a couple times inside the five first and goal, and they didn't uh, early in that game. So LSU's defense, despite giving up those 38 points where they clearly got tired, I was impressive. I was impressed with them early. And this does look like an LSU team that's for real. I don't know if a win over Texas necessarily proves that, but I'm I'm interested to see. I I think we might see three SEC teams if it's possible in the playoff. Like this is the most likely that it would ever be because LSU, Georgia, and Alabama are are all really really good teams. Well, we've established that there are three teams that are good enough to make the playoff. Right. right? LSU is good enough. Georgia is definitely good enough. And Alabama, we know, maybe the best team in the country. And I, I don't think this game is about necessarily what it proves for LSU because it's it's week two. What are you going to prove in week two, right? right. I mean, there's, there's only so much you can prove in week two. But for me, what it's about is the the potential of LSU when they're on their game. And, and they didn't play their best game on Saturday night. Like you said with the defense, they got tired, and, and that's a valid thing and a valid concern. But this offense, when it's on, can have a night like this. And, you know, they would have to win every game last year you know, with their defense giving up 20 or less. They don't have to do that anymore. Their defense, if their defense played like it did uh, Saturday night in a game last year, they would have lost. They didn't lose this game. And I think that's the biggest progression for LSU because, you know, that's a Texas team that was game. That Texas team played well. But the progression for LSU is, hey, our defense didn't have a great night, and we still won. And that bodes well going forward because it's it's hard to win a lot of games when you're counting on your defense to give up 20 or less. And the fact that that pressure is not on the defense, one, could possibly allow it to play better, but also, two, it gives you the opportunity to say, hey, okay, our offense can score with some of the big boys, and we can put some points on the board. We don't have to win games a certain way like we did last year. So I think that's the biggest thing for LSU offensively, and obviously Joe Burrow, and credit to Joe Brady and the offensive 
staff of LSU for what they've done because they've looked really good over these first two games. Obviously want to see more, but I think the potential is there for LSU to, to do just about anything. One final point on that. Yes, when you have to win scoring, you know, holding teams to 20 points in college football, especially when you're going to end up playing the elite of the elite, that's difficult and doesn't happen often. LSU, impressive, doesn't look like they're going to have to do that. A really solid win over, I'll say a good team. I'll, I'll say a good team although Texas does have their question marks. Let's transition to Michigan Army. Michigan getting the scare at the big house. They eke one out in overtime. This is not what Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan faithful who were hoping that this team, year two with Shea Patterson, would take the next step, and they did not look good at all against Army. Credit to Army because they're, I think, a better team than a lot of people give them credit for. But Michigan should have much bigger fish to fry than beating Army in overtime. Shea Patterson or Shea Peterman? <laughs> I, I, it, I don't know. <laughs> he looked like it the other day. That's didn't right. He? he looked bad. I thought in year two he would be way better, right? Because usually quarterbacks, they take some time to learn a system, and then they get a second full year. We just talked about Joe Burrow. Second full year in an LSU system, and now he's flourishing. Shea Patterson's in his second full year in the Michigan system, and he's floundering. And this is against an Army team. Again, credit to them. They did the same thing to Oklahoma last year in week four, I believe, where they took them to OT or it might have actually been double OT, and they ultimately lost, and Oklahoma went to the playoff. Right. That that style of play is hard to play against. So you have to give Army credit because they just wear you down, and they're going to go at you over and over and over again. And that being said, uh, you're right about Michigan. Um, frankly, this team is not playing well right now. They're just – that game – was so revealing and not in a good way because the offense can't do it. Right. You look around college football. Uh, I think we talked about this either last week or the week before. You look around college football, it's spread offenses, four or five wide receivers. Michigan doesn't do that. That's fine. But they don't have the guys to do it, right? So you look at a guy like Zach Charbonnet, 33 rushes, 100 yards. He got 100 yards, but the volume, my God, I mean, three yards a carry, that's not going to get it done. I mean, again, credit to Arby's defense and their style of play. They threw five passes. But you have to be really concerned if you're Michigan because this is your goal going into the season, like you said, not beating Army. It's go to the playoff. It's beat Ohio State. It's beat Michigan State. It's win the Big Ten, win 11 games. That's your goal. They're not going to do it playing like this. They're, they're, they are – if they they play the way they did on Saturday, that's an eight-win team. That team is eight and four. That, that's mediocre. That's not great. And that's not the type of year that's going to help Jim Harbaugh – you know, with his job prospects in the future, because this is a team where the expectation is, even if they don't go to the playoff, go to a Rose Bowl, you know, go to a New Year's Six game. That's the way they're playing right now. It's just not going to happen. And granted, they have time to figure it out. They've got time to turn it around. They got to do it quick because this schedule gets harder for them in a hurry. And granted, they've got some of the best teams in the Big Ten at home. But man, this is just does not bode well for Michigan going forward this season, and it was not an encouraging performance at all. But the biggest thing for me is they, they have to beat Ohio State. I think if they don't beat Ohio State, then Jim Harbaugh is legitimately on the hot seat. I, I, I don't think that there, there are serious questions about whether this dude makes it in the next year if they don't beat Ohio State again. Uh, it's a new coach. The curse of Urban Meyer is gone and they're not going to do it playing like this. And, and as you said, I thought you were right on all counts about 
you know, this is an, maybe, I think an eight-win team playing like that is generous. I mean, I really do. With the schedule that they have, they're, it, it's going to be really tough for them to even win the eight games. Credit to Army because they do what they do, and it, it is tough to defend, and they do it about as well as anyone can ever do it because they are just so well-disciplined and so well-trained and everything else that goes into that. But come on, they threw, they threw what, five passes? Two for five, 43 yards. This they threw five passes, and this was I I I don't know. I mean that's why I picked Ohio State because the, at the end of the day, the the defense at Michigan you know is going to be solid. But I wasn't overwhelmed with with the great defense. They 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 did enough, okay. But the offense is just awful. It's really just not good. It's hard and to watch. Too. It is hard it's to watch because because I think they're sort of in a transition. They're trying to incorporate more spread stuff. It's not as much because I think Harbaugh recognized some of the issues with the really traditional West Coast offense he was trying to run, but they're in a transition point right now, and I think that may contribute to some of the struggles that Shea Patterson has had because, as you said, year two you expect the jump, but if they're running a little bit different of an offense, that may contribute to some confusion. But I think at the end of the day, Shea Patterson just isn't that good. Well, let's, I, let's remember this too with Jay, Jim Harbaugh. You know, he transitions from this I-formation, run-it-down-your-throat type of offense to more of a West Coast spread-it-out scheme. He didn't have the personnel for that. Like, they recruited to that I-formation, right. you know, 30 runs a game type of scheme, which to an extent they're still doing. But if they, they could try to spread it out, that's fine. They haven't recruited that type of personnel since he's gotten there. You know, their quarterbacks have been guys like Jake Rudock and Wilton Spate and now Shea Patterson. Those aren't guys who are going to run that system for no, you. No, and, and if it's going to be effective, you have to run the football well. That's the that's the bread and butter of your offense. And when you're playing against Army, again, no disrespect to them, but you cannot run for four, you know 45 carries for 108 yards. That you that's just unacceptable. Your your offensive line needs to play better. And and I think again, it's it it all comes back to I don't want to harp on it, but it all comes back to Shea Patterson because I don't think that there's a th- a legitimate threat of him beating you through the air. And I think it allows teams to stack the box and and that's it. That's it. So so really disappointing for Michigan. I'm happy I, I picked Ohio State. You texted me during the game. Yeah, my, my pick's looking solid for the playoff right now. I feel good about it. <laughs> uh, uh, Army may have other things to say. Look, a win's a win, but it just it, it doesn't look good for Michigan right now, and, and it's, it's a little disappointing because I thought this was going to be at least the year that Michigan was, was most contending for that Big Ten title, but we'll see. I mean, there still is a lot of time to go, but they did not look good. Let's move on. Clemson, Texas A&M, another game that we thought had the potential, Texas A&M and Clemson, uh, a game that we thought may have had the potential to be a really good game the way that LSU-Texas was, not so much, really dominated by Clemson. 24-10 the final, really 24-3 because Texas A&M pushes across a touchdown with 10 seconds left. That was important for some people. Uh, Yeah, I, I don't don't I'm not sure what the spread was. What was the 17 spread? and a half. 17. So that was a huge touchdown. Um, but Clemson looks really, really good. And Texas A&M looks like the fringe. Nah, I don't know if they were a fringe playoff team this year, but not they're not in that class yet. I don't think anybody is except Alabama. Clemson rolls and no one's surprised. No. And Texas A&M goes in there. And 
I actually thought they were pretty well prepared to play that game. Especially in the first half, I thought yeah. they did a good job. But it's just, it's there's, there's a gulf in talent, right? Clemson and Alabama and everybody else. And Texas A&M's going to be a good team this year, but there's still such a difference from even like the number one team in the country, right, Clemson, to number 12. And the talent gap is still huge. And Texas A&M, I didn't even think, played a bad game. Um, the only concern I have for Clemson is offensively they had some issues, and I think some of that could probably be attributed to Texas A&M playing well defensively, at least in the first half. But, you know, Trevor Lawrence threw a, an interception at one point, and running game never quite got going. Travis Etienne, 16 carries, 53 yards. You look at that and you say, okay, I think Clemson's going to be fine. It's not... You know, they've got uptown problems, you know, which are not problems at all. So I wouldn't worry about it too much from the Clemson point of view. But it is something to keep an eye on once they start getting into ACC play. And granted, their schedule is light. Uh, they've got Syracuse this week, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. But, you know, this Clemson team, they've got a couple things to work out. But I think some of it could be attributed to Texas A&M playing well. And some of it also could be attributed to early in the season, that kind of thing. Teams never really get rolling and hit their stride in week two, at least good teams. So I, I don't think Clemson's hit their stride yet, but I, I think that's coming, and I think ultimately, <laughs> we say it every year, Clemson's going to be fine. I, I think we kind of forget, too, that Trevor Lawrence is still a true sophomore, yes. right? I yeah. mean, how many – I don't know what the number of starts he's had in his career offhand, right? But he he played towards the end of, of last year and now you know won a national championship, looked fantastic against Alabama, and the, the resume speaks for itself, right? But – this is his second start of year two, so he's a young player. He's still growing, and no disrespect, Texas A&M's a good team, right? Jimbo Fisher, as expected, a guy who who ran a behemoth at Florida State for a long time. That that's that's a good that that's a good team, especially defensively. And I thought that again, we were talking about this a little bit earlier with LSU and Texas, but. Clemson, what, what the takeaway was for me is, as especially as the game wore on, the, their winning of the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively, right? But I thought Texas A&M did a good job uh, of of making that a battle in the first half. It wasn't as clear cut, and it, it it looked like Texas A&M tired a little bit as the game went on, right? But but when when the line of scrimmage battle is a little bit more even, uh, I think it presents some difficulty for everybody, right? The the rushing game wasn't as good as we're accustomed to seeing from Clemson. No problem. They still win because their defense, you know, talk about, oh, they only scored 24 points. Who's, who's scoring against this Clemson defense? I mean, they were unbelievable uh, against Texas A&M, especially in third down, some of the blitzes that they cooked up, uh, uh, forcing Kellen Mond into some unfavorable situations and, uh, a 23.8 total QBR. So, again, really impressed by the Clemson defense in particular. Maybe some things to clean up for Clemson offensively, but, again, that team looks like it's going to run away into the to the national championship game, I would think. I, I mean, whatever they're paying Brent Venables, it is not enough. It's a lot. <laughs> he's, I, I, he's easily the best assistant in college football. Like, this guy, everybody looks at Clemson and thinks, okay, Davo Swinney or Deshaun Watson – or some of these other players who just do deserve credit, but Brent Venables is a guy, man. This guy has an amazing defense year after year, competitive. No matter who they have, they play hard, they play well. So it's really impressive to see from him. And that's the that that's the thing for for me, and and one of the reasons that Clemson has been able to remain so consistent. It's Venables, and and we talk about it. It seems every other year, right? Alabama 
rotating those. It was something that we brought up a lot towards the, the, the end of the season a year ago, right? Every couple years, right? Alabama, you know, interchange coordinators and everything else. Clemson ha- has pretty much been together on especially that defensive side of the ball for, uh, you know, majority of the time that Davos Sweeney's been there. Brent Venable's getting paid more than most yeah, and think coaches. about all the guys they lost last year, all the guys that got drafted to the NFL, Cleveland Farrell, Dexter Lawrence, among others, and they just reload, and this defense, in some ways, and granted it's early, has almost looked better than it did last year, at least in the game against Texas A&M. They were dominant. I mean, I don't really think about that late touchdown, like you said. I mean, it's three points, but, yeah, I mean, even when they get deep in the red zone, you know, you still think, like, wow, it would be a real win to score against this defense to get into the end zone because teams aren't going to be able to do it. They're not, they're just not going to give up a lot of points. And that's a recipe to just go 12 and 0 and run the table. And no one would be surprised the schedule light. And that's, that's what it is. So, so Clemson again, dominant uh, to no one's surprise. So a couple of other games that we wanted to touch on USC Stanford, disappointing effort out of Stanford against a backup quarterback losing by a lot. Uh, Washington Cal surprising game. Cal, over Washington by a point. Uh, Jacob Eason, not fantastic in that game. I know he got hurt for a little while, came back in. So not not what you want there. And Nebraska-Colorado, a really solid game. Scott Frost looking a little bit better in year two. They get out to a big lead. And then Mel Tucker and Colorado. You're a big fan. You called Mel Tucker. I'm a big fan. Credit to you. And Colorado comes storming back. Back from the dead, I think, was the call. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, well, they were that, that program was low like a year or two ago. Mike McIntyre had the whole thing that you could look up if you I don't really want to get into it, honestly. It was just, yeah. But Mel Tucker comes in and they get a big win. And Nebraska always drops that whole thing. Oh, Colorado's not our rival. Colorado's beat them twice in a row. So, uh, yes, they are your rival because they're winning and uh, you're not. So, kudos to Colorado. That's a really good win on their home turf. I don't know how good Nebraska is. I think they're better. I think they're a bull caliber team. But still, you got to win against a uh, program with the cachet of a Nebraska. I think you'll take that eight days a week. And that was a great performance from Colorado, a great comeback. And it's a big win for Mel Tucker. You know, you get a big win like that in your first, you know, half of your first season. I remember Jim McElwain when he was at Florida got a couple big wins like that. And then it just fell off the face of the earth. We, we all saw that happen spectacularly. So, not a guarantee that Mel Tucker is going to have success, but no, but it's but difficult. It's, Nick Saban went yeah. seven and five in exactly. his first year at Alabama, exactly. so it's it's no cakewalk in year one. How about USC over Stanford? Mm. Disappointing effort out of the Cardinal, who were playing a backup quarterback, although playing a backup quarterback of their own. Slovis, the the freshman. 377 yards, three touchdowns? Yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> I, I don't know why this kid was on the bench. Well, I mean, J.G. Well, Daniels, uh, that's why. Well, yeah, but if he, he might not that, be anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. He was fantastic. He was tremendous. Five incompletions as a, as a true freshman? Yeah, in your, first, in your first game. That's right. Against, 18 years old. Against a quality opponent, too. We, they weren't playing, you know, Lamar. They're, they're playing Stanford. That's a good team. <laughs> yeah, and, and hey, that's a great win for USC. And we talked about it before, you know, in our, our first show of the season, Clay Helton has a hot seat. There's no doubt about it, right? I mean, this is make or break for Clay Helton. You get more wins like this, he could save his job. And I don't know how good Keaton Slovis is because we've only seen one game. He looked awfully good. I mean, 91 in change on the QBR, five incompletions, like you said, three scores, no picks. You will take that, whatever. And, again, 
He's not going to do that every week. I don't know if he's that good, but that's a great win for USC. It's also a bad loss for Stanford. I mean, it really is. you got a second-string quarterback. Granted, you're playing a second-string quarterback, but still. I mean, you just can't be doing that against a team that I don't want to say you're expected to beat, but you know, that, I, I think that's a game. Expecting to beat them. You're expecting to beat them, but also that USC game is a game you circle on the schedule every year. And they laid an egg, especially in the second half, because they went into halftime. It was 24 20 going into half. They didn't score in the second half. They, they, they played 30 minutes of football. Can't do that. Can't do that. And kudos to USC, but. Yeah, this might be a long year for Stanford. Um, yeah. It's just, that's a very disappointing performance for them. It's been a couple of years now that have not been up to, I don't know if they're where their expectations are. It's I, I don't, maybe the playoff is, is for them a little bit out of reach uh, just in terms of a yearly expectations from a yearly expectation standpoint, but certainly not the, the David Shaw Stanford team that we're <laughs> accustomed to seeing, right? Uh, no points in the second half is really surprising against USC team that, defensively is not some juggernaut necessarily granted again they they showed up and played really well but that's not a team that you you'd sit there and say wow okay I mean well it's that defense so we got shut out in the second half that's not the case and and a disappointing loss for them it is and I I think Stanford's expectation it's interesting you touched on that because the second year of the playoff they went to the Rose Bowl and they were the fifth team they they were the fifth ranked team so they, they were the first team out right there was no drama that year with the playoff but they were the first team in that next tier. So you could reasonably say that their expectation is the playoff because, you know, you look at that year, you look at past years where they've gotten to the Rose Bowl. In 2012, they won the Rose Bowl. 2013, they were in it. So you figure, yeah, Stanford's a team that, you know, you might say, oh, okay, maybe their expectation's a little lower, but they've done it before. They've done it before. And this has to be frustrating for David Shaw because he's had a program that has been consistently really good than just the last year or two. Results have not been there, and it'll be interesting to see how they process this and, and where their season goes from here, but I think definitely for them, their performance has taken a step back over the last probably two or three years. I agree, and that's why you, you kind of question the expectations a little bit, just really because it, the, the performance has not been there the last couple of years. So let's move on to this week, the round one of the NCAA tournament. Is this tournament. Thursday or Friday? Of the I, I, we'll call it Thursday. Uh, the the games are what they are this week. Um, the night game on ABC, Clemson on upset alert against Syracuse uh, at the Dome. So we'll. we'll Did you I, see Syracuse last week? I'm not I, so sure. I can't even say that with a straight <laughs> face. They lost. They lost. What was it by thirty? Uh, I think it was more. Was than Was it 30. more? I thought it, it was sixty-three twenty. Maybe. Let me let me look. That would be forty-three. Right. I, I don't even remember. I the wasn't score. sure if it was sixty-three thirty or sixty-three twenty. I stopped checking on that game after halftime because that was in the same window as Army Michigan, and I was kind of like, "All right, what's really important here?" Um, so I don't remember the exact number, but I'm going to get it right now. It was sixty-three twenty, so forty-three points. Forty-three points to Maryland first-year head coach Mike Loxley. Good for you, but. Uh, I, I, we're we're going Clemson here. I I don't know, you know, if there's if there's much to say, but that's that's the night game. So so we'll talk about it. Clemson and Syracuse. It's got to be Clemson. It's got to be Clemson by a lot. If you're losing by 43 to Maryland, I I hope I hope that there's more of a fight put up by Clemson. They did play. Or sorry, by Syracuse. They did play Clemson tough a year ago. Granted, that's when the whole Kelly Bryant situation when he got hurt 
and Trevor Lawrence. It, it was Trevor Lawrence's first game. He got hurt, so so Clemson was down to a third-string quarterback. Clemson was still able to pull out the win at home, and I don't think we expect anything differently this time around. No, I expect something differently. I ex- I expect a much more lopsided game. I mean, that's what I expect. I mean, Syracuse beat Clemson two years ago in the Carrier Dome. It was a Friday night game, middle of October. That game kind of snuck up on Clemson. Uh, that's not going to happen because of what's happened the last two years. Uh, the line, if you're curious, is Clemson minus 27 and a half. Uh, but Syracuse, you look at their first two games, they beat Liberty 24-0, okay, whatever, and then they go to Maryland and they get hammered. I mean, they got obliterated in that game. And and Maryland is a better team this year, but I think of Syracuse and Maryland program-wise as about on par. And, and, and with that the first-year head happening. coach, not not no. by 43. Um, Tommy DeVito has not played that good. Um, and Trevor Lawrence is one of a handful of prohibited favorites for the Heisman Trophy. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't see any of those guys on Syracuse's roster. Nope. So, yeah, I'm going to take Clemson. I'm going to take them by a lot. And uh, I'm not even going to bother with a score. I'm just going to say Clemson by so, a lot of no, points. No, we'll, then... we'll let's add a wrinkle in here. Let's, sure. let's add a, a, a nice wrinkle in here. Does Clemson cover the spread? Yes. Okay. I think they went by 35. So Clemson, Clemson with the spread Clemson, over Syracuse. Clemson and the points. In week three with the points. All right, so let's go to another barn burner of a matchup. <laughs> Oklahoma-UCLA. Been a, you know, the, the Fox featured game of the week. Been a tough year for Chip Kelly at UCLA, 0-2. They face the train that is Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts, who has looked great through two weeks. Again, it's Oklahoma, no doubt about it. Nah, I don't think so. I mean, the the only concern I would have maybe Oklahoma's defense, but that pretty much gets um, canceled out by the fact that UCLA has scored 14 points in each of its first two games. So you're not going to win scoring 14 points against Oklahoma unless we're in some parallel universe because you can count on them hanging at least 30. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley has done it again. We've talked about it. Uh, I think he has another good game. Yeah, UCLA, could they keep it close for a half? Yes. Are they going to win? No, because Oklahoma is just a lot better. And Chip Kelly, you have to start wondering when the hot seat comes in for him. I mean, we were talking about Harbaugh, but they had a bad year last year. Might have another bad year this year. So you have to wonder, like, yeah, rebuilds take a long time. I get that. But UCLA is just not showing signs of improvement. And you have to start looking at it if you're a UCLA fan and saying, hey, this is a guy that, uh, I don't know, he hasn't done it. And granted, he was successful at Oregon. And he was successful briefly with the Eagles. But track, rec- track record be damned. You look at what he's done at UCLA, it's not much. It's not much. So I, I got to go with Oklahoma by a lot. But this is the type of game if UCLA plays it close could help Chip Kelly and kind of be a program-defining type of game, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, I know. It's been really disappointing for them because Chip Kelly, a guy who you thought after a disaster end to his tenure in the NFL with San Francisco, uh, it, it went. It actually went pretty well in Philadelphia. I thought that, that you know, maybe – well is relative right but but certainly the performance on the field it was the the players and the culture and the that whole deal in the locker room that I thought really ran him out of Philadelphia but in terms of on field uh, how is your team I thought he did a good job and and I I had high expectations for him a UCLA program that really hasn't been relevant in a long time you're you're hoping to get them back in in, into some state in relevant state in college football it just hasn't happened 
And I think Oklahoma, whatever the spread is, I'll take them too. Because twenty three and a half. It, I'll I'll take Oklahoma plus twenty three and a half, minus twenty three and a half. Uh, you can give UCLA the points. I don't think I'll give UCLA. I'll give UCLA the points. Really? Yeah. Okay. But it's it's going to be Oklahoma winning by three touchdowns as opposed to four. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not. I the, like four yeah. touchdowns. All right. All right. Fine. Whatever. Okay. Florida, Kentucky. Interesting game. Interesting game. Kentucky uh, lost a bunch of pieces from last year, namely Josh Allen, the linebacker. Uh, that'll be an interesting game because Florida hasn't really gotten it together yet. Uh, yeah, that that week one game against Miami was not a thing of beauty. I'm gonna take uh, Florida in a close one. I think it'll be a good game. I think Kentucky's gonna be competitive. Uh, I, I am a Mark Stoops fan, if you could say that, and I think they're gonna be ready to play. But uh, no, I, I've got Florida in this one. And uh, interesting game for Felipe Franks uh, going up against a, a really bona fide defense like he did against Miami first week of the year. So, uh, yeah, I will tentatively take Florida, but this is this is one I have my, my rabbit ears up on for, for a possible upset, especially because if you look at the theory by association, right, Miami lost to UNC last week. Miami lost to Florida week one. Basically kind of similar games. They lost by three to to uh north carolina they lost by four to florida you know maybe florida's overrated they probably are they probably are for being honest so that's what i've got my ears up for an upset but i just can't pull the trigger ninth in the country i don't know if i certainly don't look at them as some you know great team at ninth in the country again i don't make the rankings but uh i don't see them as in the playoff conversation i think this is a game they could very well lose especially on the road felipe franks has not shown the propensity to play particularly well on the road he's struggled just in general but on the road in particular i don't know that kentucky has the horses this year i think that certainly you look at a team last year with josh allen and the the pro prospects and the, the guys that they have lost Last year would have been a much more interesting game because those are, are some good players that they had on the defensive side of the ball. This year, I don't think they have that. Florida, I think, beats Kentucky on the road. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with that only because of Kentucky, but Florida's going to trip up here somewhere. And could it be this week? Yeah, it could. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen at all. Be Quick, before before we, we end here, we're going to go BYU-USC. I've gotten upset there. I like BYU. You like BYU? Yeah. I think USC pulls it out. I, I like the momentum that they, they've built. Freshman quarterback riding high. They've got some confidence. I'm liking USC to hold on and beat BYU. So a really interesting week in college football. This is the week where there's going to be a ton of upsets. There's going to be a ton of upsets. Because everything, everybody's got their guard down, and this is the week in which it happens. It We're, always does. A bunch of upsets. You can book it. I like Syracuse over – I'm just kidding. For Jimmy Sullivan, I'm Nick DeLuca. Thank you again for joining us, guys. We'll be back next week, and, um, you know, we'll see how this week goes. I think it's pretty predictable. See you guys next week.